Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast, where we teach and preach the truth of the Catholic faith, which comes down to us from Jesus and the apostles. We want to help you to know your faith, love your faith, and live your faith with purpose and passion, and even be able to de- defend it. And we want you to be transformed by Jesus Christ. And on this show, as you know, many times we have guests who have written books or who are uh, experts in their field or in a particular niche, or they have conversion stories of how they have come into the Catholic Church or come back to the Catholic Church. And today we have one of those particular conversion stories uh, from David Martinez. He was a Catholic who became a Protestant and came back to Catholicism. He actually studied and trained in Protestant apologetics, and now he is a Catholic apologist. Uh, He wandered through different denominations and different churches, writing articles, teaching apologetics, studying and teaching theology. And eventually he discovered and studied the early church fathers, the earliest Christians, which led him back to the Catholic Church. And today he's a writer and author and an apologist, and he writes countless articles. And you can see his information in our description section below. David, you have quite a story, and I'm so excited that you're here to share uh, this story with us today. Uh, Welcome to our show. Hey, I'm excited to be on your show. I've watched many of your videos, and I just want to encourage people to continue to watch your videos, to continue to share what you're doing with your friends, because you have the passion and the knowledge to bring people to their faith and to also fire up people that they have a greater passion, greater understanding of their faith, because the greater their understanding of their faith is, the more passionate and the more willing they're going to be to want to share their faith. And so I'm very tired of Protestant Jehovah Witness and Mormons knocking on the door and being zealous for a lie and Catholics hiding out because they don't know the truth. It's time to wake up and it's time to know the truth and it's time to be Catholic in thought, word, and deed. So I'm going to share right now a little bit about my story. I grew up in a home where my dad was Catholic in name only. And uh, as I was growing up, my grandma was uh, Protestant, so she would take us to church. And then eventually I have an aunt that's a nun, and she was a Franciscan mother and a nun in Colombia. So she came to live with us for over a year. And in that time, she told my dad to put us in Catholic school, to get us in the Catholic church, So we start going to the Catholic church. And again, I went to Catholic school. The school I went to, it was what I would consider a very modernistic kind of school, a modernist school. It wasn't really the teachers didn't seem to live their faith. I did have priests and nuns, but even some of them seemed to be ultra liberal. I want to also share this. My great-great-grandfather was a priest, and, and that's my lineage. He was a priest that was not chaste, and therefore he had my great-great-grandfather who had kids out of wedlock. My dad's grandfather was very wicked, also Catholic. He would send my dad to go to prostitutes from a young age, and I grew up in a home where pornography was normal. I probably had pornography when I was nine years old, and I just, they continued to feed me that, videos, books and all the rest. But there was something within me, Brian, that I wanted to walk a walk close to God. I wanted to love God, serve God, and obey God. And so I went to Catholic school. Religion probably was one of my easiest subjects. 
I didn't really have to study and I could ace it. There was even a time when I was thinking about being a Catholic priest. And so I went to Catholic school. I had a lot of questions. And these are basic apologetic questions. And nobody could give me the answer, not even the priest. So when I engaged a priest and asked him some questions, this is what he would say. Well, this is what we believe. This is what we believe. He never gave me any scripture. He never gave me any historicity. So I walked away thinking that I knew more than the priest. And so through all that, I, I, I came to a place where I hated the Catholic Church. I felt like the Catholic Church was just the false church. I couldn't find one person that was serious about their faith. My uncles were drug dealers in Colombia. My aunt and nun didn't seem to have trouble with the lifestyle that they lived. And so my grandma was Protestant. She lived for God. I never seen her commit a mortal sin, a venial sin. My aunt and nun said, if my grandma doesn't make heaven, nobody will. What's an indictment against the Catholics that knew my grandma and all the nuns she knew? None of them ever shared the Catholic faith with her because they thought my grandma lived such a holy walk. Why would they share with her? And now I look back and I know my grandma. If somebody would have shared the Catholic faith with her in truth, she would have embraced it. She would have ran with it because my grandma was a lover of truth. So I, in high school, I just came to a place that I'm not going to follow the Catholic Church. I'm going to follow the Protestant way of life and eventually went to secular college and then went off to Bible college, studied theology and apologetics and was very passionate in my faith. I preached on college campuses for over 20 years. I, I taught evangelism at Rosedale. It's a Mennonite school. I would take him out. I would teach him evangelism. I was at Ohio State for eight years. And so I would take them there and teach him how to witness, had to share their faith. I, I did missions work. I was a chaplain in industry. I implemented programs for kids, adults, and industry. And I traveled all over the United States and the world and just preached. And every Catholic that I met, my desire was to try to take him out of what I considered to be a cult. And that was the Catholic Church. But after a while, I worked with Methodists, Mennonites, Amish, Pentecostals, Baptists. And I just kept searching for truth. And it would seem like I would see a bit of truth there, a bit of truth there. And then, but I never really saw what I considered to be the church. And so ended up after a while, I just quit going to church and just did Bible study at the house and just continued to study. I became very disheartened and I started studying the early church fathers and through studying the early church fathers, I saw that they were unanimous when it came to the Eucharist. So now I'm 100% persuaded that the Eucharist is, is a body of Christ, but yet there's still a lot of other issues in Catholicism that I'm struggling with and wrestling with. And so I continue to dig in. I meet somebody on Facebook that's a Catholic. So my passion is to win this person out of what I consider to be the cult, the Catholic Church. But <laughs> this person knew their faith, went to daily mass, continued to pray for me. 
And little by little by little, God was opening up my eyes. And one day I said to this person, hey, let's pray the rosary. They lived in California. I lived here. So we would either FaceTime or talk on the phone. So for three months, every single day, I was praying the rosary. And at the end of the three months, I still had issues and questions about Catholicism, but I knew I had to partake of the Eucharist. So I went to this parish not far from where I live, and I met with the priest, and I went my way through confession, and I went and partook of the Eucharist again. And I was, everything that I questioned in a short time, I no longer questioned. And now I just wanted to serve God. I wanted to win people to the faith. And I wanted to refute the gainsayers against Catholicism. And the plus for me was working with every major denomination. I have their books in my library. I knew their mindset. And I also know, you know, if I say this, they'll say that. If I say this, their rebuttal will be this. So it gave me an edge. Because I know the way they think, I know their theology. And so now when I debate these people and I engage these people about the faith, they always walk away and go, man, I've never met a Catholic like you. Because being Protestant gave me uh, an ability, not an ability, being Protestant, I was passionate to memorize scripture. And I memorized a lot of scripture. So. There were some scriptures that were ambiguous to me because I didn't have the Catholic understanding yet. But when I had the Catholic understanding, all those scriptures came into focus. So now I was able to debate these people, challenge these people, and show these people the truth. And the big thing, like you, Brian, and like me, Protestant people are looking for somebody that is hungry for truth. They're looking for somebody that knows their faith. They're looking for somebody that has studied their faith and can engage them. And let's just be serious, Brian. Most Catholics could not debate a good Protestant theologian or apologist, a Jehovah Witness or Mormon. The number one converts to Jehovah Witness and Mormon are Catholics. And some time back, I was engaging these Jehovah Witnesses, and I said that to them, how many of them that left the faith were Catholic? This guy about 90 years old says to me, yeah, I used to be Catholic. And so now, Brian, my passion is to win people to the Catholic faith, to know my faith. Since coming back to the faith almost seven years ago, I've added probably a thousand books to my library. And I'm continually growing and learning my Catholic faith. I think that the Catholic faith is so deep that I shared this with priests before. If I studied for the next 100 years and I studied eight hours a day, I still believe that what there is to know in the treasure of the Catholic Church, I would only scratch the surface. The deeper I go, the more I realize how little I know, and it causes me to want to know more. The Bible says if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, God will fill us. We need to be hungry for God, hungry for truth, and hungry for the faith. And if you're out there today, and if you're Jehovah Witness, Mormon, Protestant, atheist, if you'll do the research and you'll dig deep, the evidence is overwhelming that the Catholic Church is a true church and it has all the answers. 
The apostolate that I have is 2 Corinthians 5.15. That's my favorite scripture. He died for all that those that live should no longer live for themselves, but live for the one who died and rose again for them. Brian, my greatest desire is to see Jesus. But if there was no heaven and there was no purgatory and there was only hell, I still would serve God and I still would love God because he's worthy of all my praise and adoration. But thank God that if we walk in his graces and we walk in the truth and and we stay clean by the graces of God, one day we will be able to see the one who loved us enough to give his all for us. And I want to share this, and I shared this with many atheists and many people on college campuses and throughout the world as I preach. If you were to die today and you were to stand before God, People can always give me excuses. I was raped by a priest. I had a bad experience in church. I couldn't find the answers. But one day you will look Jesus in the eyes like he looked in me. You will see the piercings in his hand, the piercing in the side, the piercing in his feet. He didn't have to give anything for you. He could have given a nail, and it would have been more than I deserve. But he gave his entire being for you. And what excuse will you give on that day? for not giving all your being to him. And when I was running from God, I was a martial arts training for the Olympics, and I was a good fighter, and running women, sleeping around and fighting, cussing, doing these things I was, God continued to pursue me, continued to deal with my heart to where it came to a point I couldn't even do what I used to do. I couldn't even go to the bar anymore that I would throw up if I would go in. God in his sovereignty, pulled on me. And if you're watching this video, I believe God is pulling on you if you're away from the faith. And when I was running from God, my grandma used to tell me, David, all your excuses are nothing but lies. And that followed me everywhere I went because I realized that they were nothing but lies. But Satan was telling me, I knew I was going to hell, but he was telling me, oh, you can go to the Olympics. You can sleep around. You can do all these sinful things and still be okay with. And one day when you're old, you can get right with God. If the devil can't tell you that there's no God and not tell you that you don't need to live holy, he'll tell you you got time. But there were car wrecks that I could have died. There were nights that my friends left me at the bar and they had guns. And the only reason that I walked away was because of the goodness of God and the mercy of God on my life. And God is merciful, loving, and compassionate. But he's also a God of justice and righteousness and holiness. And everybody listening to me, if you have the desire to follow God, God will give you the grace and the passion. And he'll bring understanding to you that one day you'll be able to stand before him. And you'll be able to see him and realize that no matter what you went through in this life, there was nothing compared to what God had for you in the next. And so when I did come back to the faith, I, I hit this real quick. I go to a Latin mass parish. I became the staff apologist for over two years. I wrote tons of articles. I would answer people's questions. And my articles not only went to Catholic people, but people that weren't Catholic were reading my articles. People that weren't embracing the faith were reading my articles. And I'm a straight shooter. And so it wasn't like these articles, you know, were trying to win friends and influence people and, and, and just 
say nothing that offended anybody. I wanted to speak the truth and challenge people to live. We had five priests at our parish in that two plus years. Some of them were conservative, some of them were more liberal. But every single article that I wrote, by the grace and mercy of God, sometimes they would try to refute me in a point or two. But every time, because of being a revert and digging deep in my faith, I was able to hold my ground and I never was refuted on any article. And every article was published as I wrote it. And so I said all that to say, Jesus reached down as low as he can reach and pulled out a guy named David Martinez May. And if he can do something with me, I know he can do something with you. It's time the Catholic people stand up and stand out and live their faith passionately. Because one day we are going to stand before God and have to give an account for our life. There's no revolving doors. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. It's time to give right now because you're not going to be able to get right later. Yes, we will have purgatory, but you can't be living in mortal sin in this life. And so that's my passion. That's my desire. My desire morning, afternoon, and night is to love him, to know him, to serve him. And when amen. I came back to the Catholic faith, God, Brian. Oh, I just said amen and uh, praise God for all of that. And I love how on fire you are for your faith. I love how God is using you to share with others, not only, you know, people of different religions, but Catholics to fire them up because you and I have both observed the same problem in the church. And that's a lot of lukewarm living. People just don't care. They just fly by the seat of their pants. They believe the lies of the devil, which is all you have to do is be a good person. And you just have to, you know, do some good things. And if you're good outweighs your bad, then you're going to go to heaven. All these other lies that I hear, like you said, if you're not right with God, you're not going to heaven, period. And so a lot of people just don't know that because we've watered down the faith, you know, for 50 years. And, you know, I think we both realize the same thing that a lot of people have good questions about the faith, but there's not a lot of people giving good answers. And if you're not going to get good answers, you're just going to go somewhere else where you're going to find good answers. And the world is happy to give us the answers. Oh, well, we have science. We have tolerance. We have all the things that the church doesn't, you know, so-called. And so, you know, people are receiving their lessons from the world, and that shouldn't be. And you know as well as I do, Brian, in the last 50 years, the church has tried to embrace the world by being more worldly. People don't want what they already have. And I preach to kids all over the United States in, in schools and other arenas where some of the top TV preachers would preach. And I preached about dying for your faith, selling out for your faith. And the people would tell me that the kids were never so broken, so hungry for their faith. And until after they heard me speak. Because Brian, even when I was Protestant, people put guns to my head, threatened to blow my head off. And I still was willing to die for my faith. There were people that went to punch me, Brian, and their hand would freeze in the air. They would tell me, I want to hit you, but I can't move my hand. I believe Galatians 2.20, where Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ lies within me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I believe until it's my time, nobody can take my life. But even if they take my life, would it not be a great honor to be a martyr and shed your blood for the one 
He shed his blood for you. And so to me, that's what I believe is a missing ingredient. We need to give a Catholicism like the saints of old had it, that they died for it. They would rather lose everything that this world had, that they might gain everything that this world doesn't have. And when you preach that message to young people and to older people, those that are hungry, embrace it, run with it and follow it. And today we're trying to win friends and influence people. In, in the Protestant church, between 85 to 90% of the kids between high school and college forsake the faith. I was talking some years back to a priest in her diocese, and I gave him those stats. And he said those stats were the same stats in his church. And he worked out of, out of the, the main, he's in her diocese, and he works out of the diocese office, and he also has a parish. But this priest also has some liberal breakfast. And so to me, I want to encourage people to go out there and find the Catholic Church that preaches the truth, lives the truth, and can answer your questions. But I also want to challenge you to dig deep because nobody knows all the answers. No one is infallible. And maybe this priest is good in this area and that area, and maybe he might not give you the best advice in this area. But you can go back and you can study people that are doctors of the church, people that have a reputation of expertise and, and being conservative in that area. And when you study your faith, your faith becomes real to you. And therefore, nobody can take it from you. Even though I went to Catholic school, even though I studied religion, it was surface. But when I dug deep, it doesn't matter what the Pope does, what the priest does, what the bishop does, what the laity does. I am going to serve God. I'm going to follow the one true faith, and that's the Catholic faith. And that's how people veer from the truth. They focus on people instead of focusing on God, scripture, magisterium, and tradition. And if we do, we'll walk on water, we'll live an overcoming life, and we'll be able to be an influence of righteousness in the midst of a sin-sick world and a sin-sick church. Amen. Can you talk a little bit more about the early church fathers and kind of what you found when you were reading them? Yeah, the early church fathers, the first 300 years, I studied them extensively. I mean, you can see how they talk about, you know, Peter being the leader. They talk about the Eucharist. They, they talk about, you know, how they live, their lifestyle. And I'm also writing a book based on the early church fathers on what the early church fathers believed about almsgiving and community. In the early church, about 85% of the people that professed to be Catholic were pretty much destitute. But you know, in the book of Acts, how it said they had all things in common. It's not socialism. And that's what people try to, that are modernists try to say that's socialism. But the early church had such a love for God, such a love for truth, that when the pagan people would throw out their pagan relatives because they had no value to them. Those poor destitute Catholics would go three and four days without eating rice to feed them. Their early church was hungry for truth. Their early church was hungry for God. But yet the greatest thing that they were known for was their love one for another and their love for those without. And the things that are taking place in our nation and in our church, I believe that we as the body of Christ, the Catholic Church, 
need to unite with the gifts that we have as the early church had, and we need to love one another and share those giftings and abilities. Say if you're a dentist and some Catholic needs some dental work, but he doesn't have insurance or money, you use your talents and abilities to fix his teeth. Say if somebody's starving and you have a farm and you have extra vegetables and meat, you share it with them. And that was the thing that the early church had that influenced people that they were really living for the life to come. And as I study the early church fathers, I see that they really had a passion to share the faith, and they also had an understanding of the life to come. And they also had an understanding of the value of a soul, the value of, of, of making a difference in the life of those around them. And the pagan world <coughs> used to say of the Catholics, you are so poor, you barely have enough clothes to be clothed. How can you believe God to take you to heaven? And yet, without TV, without radio, without printed page, they influenced the world to a greater degree in that time than we influenced the world with all the things that we have. And that's an indictment against us. Being Catholic is not only knowing your faith, but more importantly, living your faith. And that's the thing when I left the Catholic Church. I went to this one place where it's supposed to be for men, and it's a Catholic organization. Not all of them are like this, but they gambled there before gambling was legal in Ohio, and they took God's name in vain more than they did in the bars. I, I went and talked to this priest, that priest, and when sometimes in school I would want to talk about God and the faith, and the priest would look at me like, hey, you have anything else you want to talk about? What else is there to talk about? I mean, I like to hunt fish outdoors, all that. I can talk about that, but I would much rather talk about Jesus and drawing close to him and loving him. And that's a thing that I see within the early church. If you study the early church, you will realize that that church was Catholic through and through. And you realize that the Catholic faith is the true faith. But there are things that were in the early church, like almsgiving, that I think we as Catholics can go deeper and we can be more sacrificial and we can we can use not only money, but we can use our talents and ability and demonstrate that love to one another, those within and those without. And that's what the early church, that's why they were known for their love. Their love for truth, their love for God, and their love for one another within and without. And, and that's what I want to see back in the, early, in the Catholic Church again. And I think we're lacking greatly in that area. We're lacking greatly in a lot of areas. A lot of churches are. Yeah, I, think I agree. Secular, <laughs> Secularism has just taken over Christianity in general, um, except for maybe, you know, non-denominational uh, denominations, which seem to be blooming. But that's the easy path. You know, just you go, you hear music, it feels good. There's no, you know, real preaching of sin many times and it's just the easy you know fluffy duffy path to you no know, holiness which really it isn't and um but i think you know one thing you said is you met a lot of protestants who loved jesus who were willing to die for jesus you were willing to die for jesus as a protestant and you know one thing i i, I think is that protestants and catholics need to 
you know, and, and many do, but you know, a lot don't, you know, they, they just see the other side as the enemy, as evil, as wrong, as Satan itself. And I've met Protestants and we've had the best discussions and, you know, I've said, oh, you know, I love Jesus all my heart, mind and soul. He changed my life. I'm on fire. I can't wait to share the, the, the faith with the whole world. I mean, there's no, there's no life. There's no love. There's no goodness. There's no beauty. There's nothing without Jesus. And he, and the Protestants like, amen, amen. I had my life changed too. And we're sharing this common ground of on fire fire love for Jesus. And he's like, what church do you go to brother? And I'm like, St. Mary's. He's like, Catholic immediately. Who cares about Jesus? Yeah. Catholic and vice versa too. You know, a, a Catholic might be having a good conversation. Then the person says on Protestant, Oh, well, you're a heretic. You're going to hell. What? Like, hello. You know, we need to stop this demonization of the other side. And we need to love as the early church loved. We need to love as Christ loved. We need to love everybody. And there are a lot of Protestants who love Christ far more than most Catholics I know, who know the Bible and know theology more than most Catholics I know, who don't even go to church, who don't care about living for Jesus, who don't even care the, the bottom of the barrel least they can do for God. And meanwhile, you have Protestants who are on fire who would die for Jesus. And I think, you know, we need to acknowledge that. Both sides need to acknowledge the, the good things that are there on each side. But we still, and I know you're passionate on that, even though they're living like that, our passion needs to be to bring them to the fullness of the truth. And that's the Catholic Church. And even exactly. the catechism says that if for whatever reason, somebody really didn't understand and know the Catholic Church, there's hope that they can make heaven. But yet, there's also hope they may not. So we need to do everything within our ability to bring everybody to the Catholic Church but we need to do it in a way that shows compassion and love and mercy. Because when I was away from the Catholic Church, my brother-in-law is extremely wealthy. And his brother is a priest. There's 10 in the family. The only one really living for God is his brother, who's a Marian priest. He said he would have given all his money that I would never become Catholic again. Because I was that far away from the Catholic faith. But yet God was mercy merciful with me, Brian. And God brought me back. I went through a really rough time. I married outside of the church. It was a horrendous thing. She she left me. She took my three older kids. For two years, I just wanted to kill myself. I wanted to die. I felt God forsook me. But in that time, God used that to bring me to the lowest place in my life that I would be open to be Catholic again. And the person that was debating me on the internet eventually became my wife, Christina, and today is our anniversary. And I prayed for my older kids. They grew up well. My oldest daughter took Old Testament survey in college, and she never cracked a book, and she either got an A or B. So they were taught well, but they live in California right now, and they've really gone the way of the world. So they're in my rosary intentions every day. I'm 58 years old. I have a four-year-old, just turned four, July 4th, and I have one that's going to be two in November. And so, you know, what seemed to be the worst time in my life, it seemed as if God didn't care. God used every one of those bad things that I went through to open up my eyes to see that what I left is what I really needed from the beginning, but it was presented to me in a way that I didn't see the, the beauty and, and the majesty of it. There's a book, it's called Diamonds. This guy sold his land 
to seek diamonds in Africa. And after he died, they found out that the land that he owned was the biggest diamond mine ever in history. And that's the way many Catholics are. They forsake their faith looking for something better. And in reality, when their eyes are open, they realize that everything that they ever wanted and everything that they could ever want when they see the truth of Catholicism is found in the Catholic Church. It may not be found in your you parish, know. but it's found in scripture, manisterium, and tradition. And this is another thing, Brian. Catholics need to know, I mean, non-Catholics, that, that Catholics love the scripture. Catholics are the ones that brought the scripture to the Protestants. And even though we believe in scripture, manisterium, and tradition, manisterium and tradition interpret scripture, but they can never violate scripture. Scripture is utmost high, uh, is high authority within the scripture. I mean, within the Catholic church, the, a true Catholic, a true theologian, the true saints of the church love scripture. Like Jerome said, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. And I want to challenge Catholics, if you're going to know your faith and you're going to win people on the outside, know the Bible and know it well in light of scripture, magisterium, and tradition. And, and it will change your life. David you know, said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When we get the word deep in our heart, it gives us an ability to overcome the world, sin, the devil. And we can be that light. And we can win others to the faith because it's not enough for us just to make heaven a home. But if we really love Christ and we hear the heartbeat of Christ, we want to take as many people to heaven as we can. There's one thing that and, you said that and, amazes me is that, um, you know, so many Catholics leave the faith in easily, like pathetically easily. They just leave. And, you know, somebody says, oh, well, look at this Bible verse. Oh, the Catholic Church must be wrong. I'm leaving. Oh, the Catholic Church is evil. I'm leaving. And they don't even study it. Whereas Protestants do not want to be Catholic most times. They It's the last thing. They'd rather become Orthodox or Episcopalian or like, you know, Lutheran or something close Anglican, but not Catholic. And they do everything they can to fight against becoming Catholic. And they study more and more and more and to find that one thing that'll just keep them from becoming Catholic. But they ended up I, just I finding the truth and arguing them their way into the Catholic Church because it is true. Whereas Catholics who have the truth don't study that truth and end up leaving too easily. It's heartbreaking. And you know this as well as I do, because you refute Jehovah Witness, Mormon, Seventh-day Adventist. Me being on college campuses 20 years on and off, eight years at Ohio State, I met about every cultic group you can imagine. I heard about every belief system that you could think of, okay? So it caused me to dig deep and to know my faith and know theirs. You know this, Brian. Who do Jehovah Witnesses come against the most? Catholicism. Who do Seventh-day Adventists come against the most? Catholicism. They spent all the era that they think they found on the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church is that true church and the enemy is fighting against it. And they come up with all this so-called history and theology and studies to say that the Catholic Church is false. One time I was debating a leader in the Catholic Church, I mean, Jehovah Witness, and he said this theologian said this, this, and that in their writing. So I went to this library where they had those theological books, Brian, and I pulled them out and I showed them in context 
that what he said, that theologian said, it was a complete opposite of what he said he said because he pulled it out of context. And you know what the guy told me, Brian? He said, if you show that stuff to the women that are coming at your house, I won't let him come anymore. So these women were deceived, but this leader wasn't deceived because when I confronted him with the truth, he said, don't show them the truth. I don't want to see the truth. I believe that most people want to know the truth, but there are some people out there, Brian, that no matter what you tell them, no matter how persuasive your arguments are, no matter how passionate you are, and no matter how you refute them, they still want to believe a lie. And it says in Thessalonians that there's people that God gives them a strong delusion that they might believe a lie and be damned because they choose to, just like Pharaoh. In the Hebrew, it says he hardened his heart. And in the Hebrew, it said God hardened his heart. God knew that Pharaoh would never come to him no matter what happened. So God gave him over. And that's a scary place that you go so long, so far, so hard that God just says, I know you're not going to go. And he lets you go. But most people aren't in that state. And and they need to, you know, love their faith. I want to share this one scripture real quick. Colossians 3.8. But know ye also, put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Brian, when I was Protestant for over 25 years, my kids never heard me say the A word, any word that was vulgar. But then I noticed that a lot of people that are Catholic, and I came back and I start swearing, I'm not going to lie, but then God convicted me again, and I'm going to write articles why using vulgar language is wrong. But when it says put off all these things, and one of them says filthy communication out of your mouth, in the Greek, that's an eros imperative middle. That means now I command you to put these off. Now let's just think about it. Let's not just debate about it. It's time to put them off. And so I want to teach Catholic people to realize that cussing and trying to fit in with the world is only going to repel the world from you. They want to see a distinction and a difference. And by the grace and graces of God, we can be those people. Amen. Ephesians 4.29 says that let nothing impure or unclean come out of your mouth, but only that which glorifies God and and departs uh, grace to its hearers. And so, you know, that's very powerful that we, whatever comes out of our mouth should be departing grace, you know, giving grace, not, you know, secular living. And so we actually have a talk on this channel, which I would urge everyone to watch. It's called How to Live Holy in an Unholy World. And it challenges Catholics and really everyone to live Catholic, to live Christian, to live for Jesus without compromise in what we say and what we do and what we watch and what we read and what we listen to and stop compromising. We compromise in entertainment. 100% 100 agree with you. And Brian, you would agree with me on this. On Facebook, when me and my wife are engaging people in Catholic venues, some of them even being uh, Catholic Latin mass groups, some of the people, the things that they believe, Brian, and no matter what you show them, they won't change. The people that give me the most trouble are not Jehovah Witness, Mormons, and atheists, but are Catholics that don't know their faith, don't care to know their faith, and think that they're, you know, Scott Hahn incarnate, and no matter what you show them or tell them, you're wrong and they're right. 
There's even people that have children that are gay and don't be conservative in every area. But when you touch on what scripture teaches about the gay lifestyle, somehow they have to slip the kid into heaven. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, let no one deceive you therefore, brother, fornicators, adulterers, effeminate, etc. shall not inherit the kingdom of God, period. And when I witnessed to people, whether it was Protestant or Catholic, and they threatened to kill me, threatened to shoot me, and I tell them the truth in love, I tell people, if there's not tears in your eyes, there should be tears in your voice. I watch these people break, Brian, when I say, even if you kill me, I'm going to tell you the truth. People want to know the truth, whether they think they want to know the truth, but it's how you present it dictates how they receive it. Exactly. Okay? And, and, and we need to be for real in our faith, and we need to speak the truth. Because when I came out of Bible college, I worked in a warehouse, and it was vulgar people there. And they were made fun of me, and there was a guy who went to seminary who became an atheist, so I would pray that I could work with him that night, and I would work with him, and he couldn't answer my question. After a while, Brian, these people would come up to me. Can you pray for me? My brother's a minister. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. The people that mock you now, when they come in a time of despair and need, will be knocking on your door saying, I want to know the truth. But you have to give them the truth. We need to love God more than we love people. And when we love people, I mean, love God, we'll truly be able to love people. And loving God and loving people is speaking the truth in love. It's Amen. not loving to try to, to, you know, oh, I don't want to offend you, but I'll offend God. No. People, <laughs> I can tell you from experience, respect somebody who is passionate and speaks the truth in love. Amen. We only have about a minute left. Can you tell uh, our audience where they can find you, your ministry, 2 Corinthians 5? Yeah. Just put in 2 Corinthians 5.15. There's a bunch of articles there. There's some videos. And I'm working on some books. And I know you like this one. <clears throat> I never believed in the altar call. So I'm showing where the altar call started. I'm showing that 85 to 90% of the people that go up within a year are nowhere to be found, that it's unbiblical, it's unhistorical. And I'm taking their proof text, like Romans 10, 9, and 10. I'm going to the book of Acts and showing that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved is in the context of baptism. I'm taking all the proof texts, and I'm just crushing it and showing that the altar call, because there's even Protestant people out there that are conservative that disagree with the sinner's prayer and the altar call because it doesn't exist in Scripture. But most of Protestantism has embraced that, and it doesn't lead to salvation. It leads to deception and delusion. Amen. So people, if you want to check out uh, David Martinez and his articles and his work and his videos, check out 2 Corinthians 5.15. And you can see that in the link in the show notes below. And uh, make sure if you don't already to follow Catholic Truth as well. We have a TikTok, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have 
lot of different media platforms and our podcast. And so please pray for us. And if you would like to support our ministries, uh, David has his own ministry. We have ours. Please consider supporting our ministry so that we can continue to preach the truth in love in a world that does not want to hear the truth, but a world that desperately needs to hear the truth. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for tuning in. Say a prayer for us. We're always praying for you. God bless you.